0: Thank you so much Christine for taking time to um, have this conversation with me and to share your creative practice and how you've um, been developing that in the uh, theatre industry. Um, I just would like to start really um, from the beginnings of your process and how what that process entailed and how over the years you've seen that develop and in what ways or in what which avenues you've kind of focused into
1: so yeah look in terms of my practice you know as a director as a teacher um when i when i was an actress for 10 years and when i stopped acting and started directing and teaching it was very much my natural instinct to work very directly and very closely with the actors in front of me So, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily employ a Stanislavski technique or a Meisner technique or these techniques. I would actually employ the tool of observation. So I would look at an actor and I think, gosh, you know, how can you be better? What's blocking you? What's stopping you? So it was always me in relationship to that actor. And each and every actor, of course, is unique, is individual. They have their own vernaculars. They have their own, you know, often first or second languages, which they may not use in the professional space. And it was very natural for me to, to use all those things and to bring them into the rehearsal room and not say to an actor, look, um, you know, bring this part of you into the rehearsal room, leave part of you outside. Now, I didn't actually realize I was actually doing that mm-hmm. until I began to articulate what I was doing. And I started to articulate what I was doing about 10 years into my theatre company, Tamasha. Now, Tamasha was primarily a company we were set up to address the dearth of uh, people from Indian or Pakistani background, let's say, um, on the stages, stories from from those backgrounds being told in contemporary theatre practice, um, and we set up to do that. So we worked a lot with let's say Asian actors early on and I was observing very early on just with those with those Asian actors in my rehearsal rooms that it was quite unusual for them to work in other languages, other Indian languages, other vernaculars this and the other. And I worked with those languages and We also went into schools with our education program. And again, with our education program, I was very shocked when we went into secondary schools to see that teachers in the school classroom, drama school classroom, were not using at all the cultural backgrounds of their students. And some of those students, their English was not always their first language. And I found this quite strange. Anyway, at Tamasha in 2000, we set up a wing called Tamasha Developing Artists where we started training. Actors, writers, directors. And lots of actors started coming to those classes from diverse backgrounds, diasporic heritage, whatever you call them, somatically othered. They used to come to our workshops and I would gently say, Well, look, you know, I can see you're British Vietnamese. Do you have a Vietnamese language? Can we use it? Do you want to use it? Let's 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 see what happens when you use it. And Sometimes there was resistance because they'd never used that language in the in the professional space. But when they were persuaded to use it, so many of them had these incredible explosions. And they saw they suddenly released themselves and a part of themselves that they felt they could not bring to the professional space. And I saw this time and time again. It was extremely powerful. and. You know, I got lots, lot, I had lots of incredible feedback and lots of people wrote testimonies about being able to be themselves in a rehearsal room instead of feeling they had to mimic the centre or mimic the cultural authority. And a friend of mine, actually, Sita Brahmachari herself, who, who, who also was a, an academic and educationalist and is now a writer, she said to me, you have really, you've got to write this down. So I basically then um, did start writing it down, just notating it, but actually I ended up doing an MPhil at the University of East London, and I wrote a really big thesis on it and underpinned it with a lot of theory as well and was very warmed to see that, of course, there were other people talking about using cultural context, using embracing social and cultural backgrounds in our own space, and how to play with the intracultural dynamics within a 21st century rehearsal room. Mm. And um, I guess my methodology has evolved through that time, through, through work, through work on the floor, work on the floor, and then an academic study and continuing work on the floor, which I try to expand as I, as I, as I practice.
0: when you're um working with the actors um in this intracultural approach as you called it um there's one that is the release for the actor because suddenly they're uh embodying and accepting all aspects that are them as an actor but in terms of their uh in the space and the um way they work with other actors and the way they um the characters what do you notice in their being in, in that particular sense
1: so you know look i have reconsidered a lot of words in actor training and this you know this can be a bit contentious as well so for instance like you're sort of saying being the character well i don't really use i don't really use this idea character i use this idea of the actor having the pleasure to play something so in actor training one of the big words is transformation and i believe. When I can get an actor to be free with themselves, to feel themselves, to feel they have the right as a British Vietnamese person to play Marsha in the Seagull with everything that is inside them, then they transform. Because then that artist becomes, you know, the muse comes in and they can start to do anything. And mm-hmm. they can start to instinctively hear the text. Rather than think, no, I have to do the text like this. check-off is done like this. You know, I'm the first British Vietnamese ever to do a checkoff. It's all normally done by people like this. So maybe I'll just alter my voice a bit and do it like that. Well, you know, you, you're on a hiding to nothing if you do that. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, this, it's this thing of coming to the actor and saying, you are the actor, your name is Shane. And Shane, you will have the pleasure to play. And let's find your pleasure to play. And how do we do that? Now, obviously it's aligned with what is in the text but i can't forget you when you come into the rehearsal the most important thing in front of me at that moment is you mm. is you it's is it is you and i think in a way we do in many countries and in a lot of sort of european traditions we do have a hierarchy, you know, the writer sits at the top, the director, then, you know, then there's a designer and then it goes down and, you know, the poor actors on the floor who come in then to to work on the first day in front of everyone are terrified because they also feel, particularly if you're somatically othered, that there's a way to do this and I don't know what that way is and I'm not quite sure why I'm in the company. Mm. I've I've seen it so many times.
0: And I just want to... um... Drawn something as you were saying there about feeling, and um this this is really important to me as well as a as a creator that not only does the performer feel, but actually that feeling has a cyclical process with the audience and I just building on that, want to hear from you when you're directing a piece of work. There's obviously the the interactions between um, the characters, um, the narrative structure, but what is the things you look for as a director in um, creating a piece of work? So,
1: so, you know, obviously, I mean, I, I do a lot of work on, you know, I, I understand the text first. I don't do too much work, actually. I don't do too much work because, funnily enough, sometimes I don't really understand a text fully until I hear the actors read it. And then I think, oh, yeah, 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 got it. That's it. Oh, yeah, no, it's not that. It's something else. So, in a way, until I hear the actor's response to the text, sometimes I don't quite know what the text is fully. Mm. So, I don't do too much work around the background and understanding every line. I don't do that. What I do do is I do a lot of work, I think, around the mise-en-scene, because I love that and I have a really strong sense, I think, of mise-en-scene and a strong aesthetic sense. And I really feel that, you know, you need to have the right space for actors to move in. You know, the furniture's gotta be in the right place and you do need to know how to get actors to really, in a really pleasing way, move around that space. So, For example, I'm just currently directing a drama school the seagull with second years. And one of my actresses playing Marsha has a Ghanaian and no Guyanese and Jamaican background. You know, very Caribbean background. And as well as her British background. And one day I said to her, well, I mean, this is obvious. I said, look, do, do you must have that in your voice. Yes, I do she started working in 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 her vernacular you know her home vernacular which was off of a west indian descent and it was just it just opened her out it opened everything out and i i saw that she wiped a tear away from her eye and said and she said to me i haven't done this since i actually came and auditioned here and she just felt oh okay I have the permission like this to be in this role. Mm. And, and it was just wonderful. So, but she's also playing, the woman who's playing her mother is this wonderful, you know, Anglo-Saxon actress, who's also playing with her own Anglo-Saxon-ness. And I don't see there's a contradiction when I put those two together, because I hear the music of both of them. Mm. And when the two of them are so seated in themselves, they then can hear the music of the text. They bring their own music to the play and then we can rock and roll. So I'm making the music, you know, I'm playing with the intracultural dynamics. Rustin Barucha says this. I'm playing with the intracultural dynamics within that rehearsal room.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't have a, I don't then have to sort of think, yeah, but why is that person speaking like that? And why is that person speaking like that? know where's the standard english because i think this idea of standard and neutrality is never politically neutral you know a standard is not a political it's politically not neutral to have a standard because the neutral is always driven by someone or someone's standard
0: and i'm just gonna bring in terms of language um there's obviously spoken language and i also recognize language as something um that can be physical there are physical languages or body language yes. and dance languages and um i know you worked on the arrival uh, directed the arrival at uh, with circus base and so you were working with uh physical bodies and, and a physical language and um with your um sort of intercultural approach mm-hmm. uh, it'd be great to hear how it was to work with um performers with a physical language in it and whether the your approach and creative practice started to resonate uh, on that plane too.
1: Yeah, well, it was a really fascinating exercise and exploration in a way I I, I, I put myself through it. And it was very hard because I really wanted to see how far the practice would extend. And you know, The Arrival was based on the graphic novel by Sean Tan, any arrival in any country at any time and we you know we used those beautiful graphic images and made a story and Sita Brahmachari wrote a very sparse poetic text and some of the stuff was drawn through improvisations basically i wanted to uh, and and circus they were called circus space at that time opened their arms and brought me in and they were absolutely wonderful to collaborate with them because they were very open about this and they too were sort of trying to look at this themselves so i wanted to see whether the the circus discipline of an artist, you know, whether it was their rope or their silk, or you know, their slack rope, whatever it was, whether that discipline was was something else I could refer to and use as a cultural context, Mm -hmm. and then how could I, with that cultural context, the Chinese pole and the Greek person on that Chinese pole, how could I fuse those cultural contexts together, the Chinese pole? and the Greek person on the pole. And what I found, in a weird sort of way, was a bit like what I've been talking about before in terms of you know, people coming in and mimicking something that they're not, is that there were, in the early days, in those rehearsals, it was very difficult for those artists, very, very diverse cast, to go onto their equipment without feeling they were simply athletes or dancers, or physical performers, they could not bring anything of themselves, anything, mm. to their equipment. And I thought, this is a fascinating thing that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna prove can be done. So I just started getting them to do, you know, improvisations on their equipment across equipments. I had an Australian Vietnamese girl, she said, oh, I don't really speak Vietnamese. well." She did. And I got her to just start doing improvisations on her hoop, in 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 her in her Vietnamese, and then in her Australian voice, then in a Australian Vietnamese, everything. And I just through that I was able to get them to, because I felt if I could get them to be themselves on their equipment, we could in fact curate and shape new routines on their equipment. They wouldn't only do, you know, movement A or trick B or, that sounds rude, I don't mean that, trick C. They would actually, through the sort of fury of acting a great scene in their own heritage, they would also sort of, the movement would become part of that. And indeed, through very careful and slow work, that is what happened, so I had this um, British Nigerian girl in the company, and she was the greatest example to me because she could not get on her pole on her on her rope without pointing her feet she, she, and she she played this wonderful Nigerian woman, so she 'd sit on the floor um, like on the ship that leaves, and you just and she and she 'd be in conversation with a Nigerian accent and it was just absolutely true and magnificent bringing herself and her background to the work and then the minute she literally got from the from the floor to the pole she was completely different she just couldn't she couldn't bring her I used to say you have to take your Nigerianness with you to the pole so I just worked on this tiny little moment of floor to pole floor to pole to and and helped her sort of bring pull pull the Nigerian woman onto the pole and now we now if you see a a video of it and she climbs the rope I keep saying the pole the rope um you can see you can see that there's no difference now between the floor and the rope and I've never seen something like that in circus you know I'm I'm looking at the the pleasure to play that woman Mm. on that rope I'm just not looking at a, a trick on a rope. So that was the exploration in that.
0: And just just to sort of clarify that, so in in that process, you you could say that there there was a language she she. I mean, I'm taking the example you put forward. She had a language, but the language was learned, and she knew how to speak this language, but she hadn't imbibed it in her own being. It, yes. not in a bodily sense, but in a, in a cultural sense.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And so by um bringing together the physical language and this other cultural aspect of her that she had been and i'm I'm making it to there's obviously more um together in some sense she became whole but in terms of the language the language the physical language shifted to a wider um a wider lens can we say?
1: Well, it did shift to a wider lens. And you know, this is where circus spaces were marvelous because they were so they were so curious and they were so patient. So we had we had the head of acrobatics there working with us and he I'd call him in and I'd say, Look, um, can you now can you see what she's doing? Can you now help me just shape it so or, or is there something now when what she's doing, can we put in that mm. big move there? Because it will fit in the center of that. And he and I worked together. So w- the choreography was made in collaboration. So in collaboration with her cultural context and then in collaboration with the head of acrobatics and in collaboration with me. Mm. And the movement sequences were made like that. And you know, we could have lost confidence we could have lost confidence and we could have just thought, oh, no, it's not quite big enough. Look, yes, fine, go back and do, you know, trick A. But we didn't. But that's where this beautiful collaboration between me, Tamasha, and Circus Space happened. Because we, we did trust each other and they gave me time.
0: I mean, I, I find it really fascinating and actually it's, it's, it's so beautiful because I think from uh definitely from a a Bharatanatyam perspective there's a there's a way in which you deliver that particular language and uh, i'm kind of flipping it so that this is the the indian dance way to do it but then being born and brought up in a different cultural context where i'm in contact with many different cultures they all are part of me and then actually that language that physical language on its own is contained to represent a particular identity, but then by embracing these other aspects, whatever they are, their um, uh, their thought processes, their um, gesticular tendencies, they seep in and it shifts this physical language, it becomes my own true language in a sense. And I kind of feel that that is a, a parallel to what you are. Uh,
1: Absolutely, no, I mean, exactly. And this is the beautiful work that you're making absolutely and it, and it comes from the pluralism within yourself yeah. and that's why i think it's quite difficult sometimes you know <laughs> to understand you know i know the journey you've been on and when people see your work for the first time or maybe in the early days people look at it and they haven't seen it before and they just think well i don't know what that is mm-hmm. i can't give it a name it's not bhatnachim it's not the, it's you know but, and that's why it's, it's, it's a long, you know, that's why people like you and me have been on such a long journey. Well, mm-hmm. it's different.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, I'm just looking at the time and realizing that we've come to 20 minutes and I, I could talk, um, uh, continue talking to Christine, but we're going to have to bring this, uh, to a close. Uh, but thank you so, so much mm-hmm. for sharing, um, all of your experiences your insights your your practice and process um uh, with me in this conversation
1: thanks thanks jane